Welcome to the Monday Night Scores, the wrestling podcast covering the epic battle for rating supremacy between WWF Raw and WCW Nitro. We relive the war skirmish by skirmish to decide which show we think should have won the fight for viewing figures that week. We then reveal which show actually did take the gold in the Nielsen ratings using our hallowed golden envelope. I'm sorry, Jim. You'll literally walk out of the Monday Night Score Zone right this second, unless I give you some debatably interesting cultural reference points. All right, all right, here goes. Let's set the scene. The date is the 9th of October, 1995. This week, Green Day released their fourth studio album, Insomniac, featuring absolute stonewall classics like Brain Stew and Geek Stink Breath. Fantasy by Mariah Carey remained locked in atop the Billboard 100 for the second week running. And the film Casper, that's the friendly ghost, was released on home video in the US and Canada. It was a quiet week this week, just so you know. Right, now we know what we're listening to when people can hear us, what we're listening to when people can't hear us, and what we're watching on the good old VCR, see what I did there. Let's see how the WWF and WCW are going to compete with that lot. There'll be dentists in need of braces. Jet black custom neck braces, but no Harley races. Let's get cracking. Superb. But before we start, as ever, we'd best introduce ourselves. We are the two average Joe wrestling fans re-watching the Monday Night Wars week by week as they happened. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Stee, and I'm joined by Jim. Jim, any uh, sink pissing incidents of note this week? I think there might have been, actually. There weren't. It didn't involve me. It didn't involve me. <laughs> oh, but, thank uh, God. There was a, an email sent round, sent round the office. Oh, uh, man. And the details of which uh, the information enclosed was a certain toilet is uh, no. out of action. So I can only assume <laughs> I can only assume someone else has... has <laughs> done the same <laughs> thing you did, followed uh, the same fate. Exactly. <laughs> met with the same... Messy fate. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's I mean, a fucking traumatic, traumatic <laughs> incident in there. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been sent round. It's been sent round from so that, on, that point on. So it's out of action now. That's it. It's, it's totally out of bounds. Decommissioned. You cannot go in there now. No more, no more pissing in that sink. It's about time as well. <laughs> I was going to say. About time that's happened. Back to the proletariat only toilet. Indeed. <laughs> Incredible stuff. <laughs> Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, or maybe you just want to drop by and like one of our posts, just like the three-decade-celebrating, multi-time world title-winning, little bit of the bubbly, quaffing one and only Le Champion Chris Jericho did this week. Jim, what was the tweet that tickled Jericho? Hey, well, you'll never guess. You'll never guess. It only adds, it was only... Pepe, not other than Pepe, that fucking dog. That all fucking the complaining, hound. all the mourning, all the whinging. He's come good for and us. And there he is. He's got us over. He's got us It was alive. Pepe. It was Pepe. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, for more Pepe-laced content, you can follow us at TMN Scores. That's at TMN Scores. This week, we start with WWF Raw. 
same naughty music as ever, with sirens depicting the Rosers chasing down a bunch of fans as they sprint to squash up against some chain-link fence in order to watch the lads wrestle on what looks like a sort of car park or a roof of a car park or something. First time I've really interrogated it, it doesn't really make any sense. Anyway, we're greeted by Vinnie Mac, whose voice is set to full gravel. It's a holiday edition, apparently. What? They're celebrating Columbus Day. How? We're never told. Yokozuna's music has already hit and we're watching the cornet cabal of Yoko, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog flanked by Corny and Mr. Fuji as they enter the darkened arena with the camera itself way back in the stands giving us like a cheap seat's eye view and it, it looks good. It'd be fucking brilliant to be at one of these things. Vince tells us we're going to have a six-man tag. These lads versus HBK, Big Daddy Cool Diesel and Bong, The Undertaker as he arrives. The light goes out on the second Bong. The crowd go ballistic. Works so well, this. It just must be, again, being there must be incredible. Remember on Raw a couple of weeks ago, the nine screens that made up the not-so-Titan trunk, they sort of popped up in like an S one at a time. It looked a bit pants. Well, none of that this time, as by the time we cut to it, the camera on the ramp... We just see silhouettes of the dead man and Paul Bearer, and the latter sort of creepily beckoning the Undertaker to follow him down the ramp uh, as the sort of the screen behind backlights them both. It just looks amazing. We cut to a break straight away with Vince telling us to stay with him as the two dudes with attitudes are on the way. I might leave it. We come back, and what the hell is this? A besuited HBK standing before a Survivor Series lectern in some kind of conference centre with what looks like the IC belt over his shoulder, but you can't really tell. The caption says... Churned my stomach. Churned honestly, my stomach. honestly. It says, last week, Survivor Series press conference, Washington, D.C. Vince tells us HBK was there to speak to some students who were receiving an attendance award. And we see shots of the guy uh, who usually wears bondage gear to the ring and who nearly got his junk out on telly, jovially laughing with some of the nation's most dedicated young scholars. We then see a seemingly genuine Sean, but I'm so I'm struggling to survive. Yeah, as if, as if. Talking to the WWF camera about what an effect the kids had on him. He gets properly choked up about how it's moving to be looked up to uh, by these kids, and uh, and it's a responsibility he takes really seriously, Jim. No uh, one's fucking buying it. <laughs> he says. No one's fucking he, buying it. He tries to think not to think about it too much because he gets emotional, and people will see him and say, "You're not as cool as you are on TV." And in mid-90s pseudo kayfabe breaking fashion to sort of sell it, uh, he confesses, which I'm not. I wish I was, but I'm not. Emotional stuff. Nice one, Sean. Back to the arena, and here he is, the sparkly... I'd just like to, sorry, I'd like to yeah, interject there before we go back to the arena. <laughs> God. Has he seen himself on the telly? Claiming, I wish I was going on the telly. Have you seen yourself on the <laughs> fucking telly? <laughs> It's in Scotland, isn't it? I know. I mean, this is I mean? It's, it's insane. As I say, this is, this is the bloke who was, who was, you know, you feared would be... Coming out with butt plugs next next week and, and he looks like every time he comes to the arena he's just arrived from the red light district <laughs> yeah. having swapped clothes with the person he's been visiting there <laughs> and he's got the audacity to claim he's not going to claim to say to him he's not as cool as he looks on telly you don't fucking look cool on telly Sean and, you look quite the opposite you look weird and what are these kids asking him right like, is is that real bondage gear Sean is that hundred percent leather or is it, oh, it's, ple- it's pleather is it it's pleather all right. <laughs> is that chafe? Never mind, never mind. And, <laughs> unbelievable. Back to the arena we go, and here he is with his pleather on, and you know he's, he's out dancing around the stage. Vince here goes so OTT that he actually sounds like he melts as he intros HBK. Like Vince, he goes, like, and here he comes, ladies and gentlemen, yes, the most flamboyant, the most charismatic, and the most... And now... <laughs> I've listened to this a few times and went back to try and pick what he says, right? Now, you can listen along at home, right? It's at 3 minutes 55 on the WWE Network. 
And I think what he was trying to say was the most resilient, right? I think he was going for resilient. What it exactly sounds like is, and perhaps the most Brazilian WWF <laughs> superstar in the world today. So go and listen. It's Brazilian, right? It's not resilient. It's Brazilian. Brazilian. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but but who's your favourite Brazilian wrestler? <laughs> Tweet us at TMN Scores. That's <laughs> at TMN Scores. As I say, I think he meant resilient, but honestly, I couldn't guarantee it. We're back to the ring, and HBK's spinning around. He has a silver version of Razor's golden shower pyro, and then the second dude with attitude, Diesel, heads to the ring. His music really is shite, Diesel. We get all the golden shower pyro from all four ring posts and the lighting rig and from behind for Diesel and HBK as they do like a prelude to the H Triple H uh, HBK in-ring pre-match pose thing. Diesel looks a bit weird, though. Uh, Taker and Bear are just standing there a bit awkwardly throughout. Don't really work. Then we go for another break. Fucking hell. We rejoin. We've missed the start of the solid match. Fucking hell, lads. We've had all these fucking... We anyway, never mind. But Owen and Sean kick us off. What a pairing this is. Some nice, silky stuff from these two, as you'd expect. But not 100 miles an hour all the time. Like, you know, it's quite stop-start, but in a kind of like, I'll counter your counter of my counter kind of way. And it, and it really works. And both of these guys had like real weight, like each thing, the kind of like the strikes and the blows, particularly sort of plunging elbows from HBK onto Owen's head. Like, they just look like... like big and, and just even the sort of boring stuff is great could watch these two all night a monkey flip sends the rope running owen tumbling but he recovers only to be clotheslined to the outside by hbk whose momentum carries both out but hbk skins the cat and the crowd go ballistic with it they love it i suppose 1995 this is still a relatively fresh and new spot in it so the crowd are like oh my god he skinned the cat i guess bulldog runs in and gets a hip toss for his troubles then gets clobbered by big daddy cool diesel as he gets up Owen climbs back in, and Yoko and Taker follow suit. All six lads in the ring. Ref has lost control almost immediately. Taker's driving uppercuts to Yoko in the corner as the two dudes with attitude then set Owen and Bulldog up at the opposite corner, and then they wait for sort of slightly too long, like Taker's taking a bit too uh, long working over Yoko. Um, but then out steps a dazed Yoko in the middle of the ring as Owen and Bulldog are whipped into the 500-pound Yoko Zuna. The British Canadians bounce off him. It looks pretty good you know we see this quite a bit don't we already in the few episodes so far the bounce off yoko spot um and then taker and diesel give yoko this like massive double big boot cause him to do this like stagger back and flop through the ropes to the outside safely as he grabs the rope on his way down and it does look pretty good but that's a, this is about he goes it. for the second he goes for the second <laughs> he the top, goes through the second oh he's not going over the top goes down his stages very <laughs> correct <much>. well said <laughs> Uh, and then the sort of, and it, it, it did look good though, considering you know it was a big lad going through, and the crowd are in fairness white hot at this lot again. Cornets then hoping holding this like verbal inquiries, how did we get to this outside? Brilliant. And then a dazed Yoko spoils it by sort of getting up, staggering, and walking into the ring post, bouncing his head off it. Ah, like, oh, looked a bit daft that. Um, but then Cornet like tends to him, patting his patting him on the head, which is brilliant. Back in the ring, and it's Bulldog and Diesel. Who the hell knows who the legal men are by this point? It just seems the ref's just gone, all right, fine, you'll do. Clear size advantage as Diesel asserts his dominance. Bulldog bumps like a champ as Diesel pancakes him against the turnbuckle after a pyro. Powerful Irish whip. Looked brilliant. Big right hands from Diesel send Bulldog to the outside where the lumber taker grabs him by a choke before sitting him back on the apron and then, like, pushing him into the hands of Big Daddy Cool. So a right hand then floors Bulldog, who rolls into a tag, bringing in Yoko and the big lads come in and go at it, held it by full, kind of like this cartoon comedy from Vince, like, uh-oh, here comes trouble. It's like, fucking hell, Vince. It's like wily e. Coyote stuff. A running Diesel delivers a flying clothesline to Yokozuna, sending him to the canvas. 
and then a Columbus Day coder from King. I'll tell you this right now, McMahon, Columbus would have never bothered discovering America if he thought something like this was going to happen. Take a tags in and pummels the man from Japan. Old school, as Taker goes up top and connects, but Yoko just sort of bowed his head a bit as he landed, didn't really sell it a huge amount, so sort of lost a bit of its impact, looked a bit... Yeah, it could have been better, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it looked a bit daft. Taker runs the ropes, ducks a Yoko clothesline, bounces off the opposite ropes, and into a huge Samoan drop from the definitely Japanese Yokozuna. Cut to corner at ringside, giggling... Where did you learn, did you learn the Samoan drop, do you think? <laughs> I know, yeah, Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, cut to corner at ringside giggling with glee this kind of like ah now that's the way you do it like full comedy stuff I I know I'm totally biased but it works with corner and it don't with it he's super it's just great take us back up running the ropes again and this time catches Yoko with a huge DDT again sort of it, I thought it did look really good this take it just a bug of that size being that high up you know what I mean like oh. no I say I've, I've wrote myself more I'm one of my few notes I've made uh, here is the fact just watching the Undertaker flying around the rings, the pace, the agility, the balance, it's crazy, everything is it? just it's, it's it's the full total, hundred percent complete package, <laughs> and it's just it is it is it is brilliant to watch. Oh, it's seeing, seeing the man in his, in his absolute pomp, as it were. Yeah, it really is absolutely right. Um, upsets the dead man after this DDT, and we cut to the ramp where we find Jigsaw on holiday, Whale on Mercy. Yeah. Mercy's standing, <laughs> standing in front of the not-so-tight... Full Hawaiian suit, shirt. <laughs> he does, right? He's, arm, he's sitting there with his arms folded. Yeah, floral <laughs> Hawaiian shirt and, like, loose white chinos. He's got, like, a straight greasy mullet and then bugger all going on up top. And then some kind of, like, tattoo line on his forehead. Do you see that? Like a sort no, I missed of, that one. Like I, a I, line... Was, right? The shirt was distracting me. <laughs> he's loud enough. Bizarre, right? But isn't he meant to be like, like you know, you keep making the jigsaw references, but yeah, um, King uh, Lawler makes a point about the fact that he, he's, he's got his evil eyes locked on. Uh, did, he, was, did he say it was, it was Kevin Nash? When yeah, it was, on, it was, on uh, Diesel, yeah, Diesel. exactly. Yeah. So, but then I was thinking, it, does, do, do, you know, despicable evil people wear flowery shirts? I, I don't know, I was, I, was, I was a bit lost as to what Will on Mercy is all about. Also, I don't know how the hell King can claim to clock from distance that he knows he's staring at Diesel. He's on the ramp. Yeah, no, that's, that's another bad it's... Bullshit. Anyway, um, we learn Mercy's got a non-title match coming up this week on Superstars. Can't say I'll be tuning in. Um, I, was, well, I was with Diesel, so I'm assuming that's where King's got it from, but who knows. Back in the ring and take a tags in HBK while holding Yoko in a wrist lock. Sean comes off the top with a double axe handle to Yoko's shoulder. Yoko rests back control, sends HBK to the ropes, and he stops dead when he bounces back into Yoko. Repositions him and then delivers this absolutely fantastic rock bottom. Just phenomenal stuff from him. Looked great, didn't he? Didn't it? Like, it was, he got fully, you know, he swept the leg as he went up, got fully horizontal. I'm sure, you know, having someone who can sell as well as HBK doing it at the same time will help, but it looked brilliant. Owen tags in for the pin. I mean, which I actually thought it, this emphasised the power of the moves. Great stuff. Like, Yoko did it and then stood up, walked over, tags in Owen. And I know it's sort of a bit daft, but then Owen comes straight in and goes for the pin, which just makes you think, you know, bloody hell, he's still, what, what a manoeuvre, as Vince often says. Bulldog is quickly tagged in for this double back elbow. The heels are really starting now to, we're going to isolate Sean and keep him away, which they start now in kind of earnest with loads of frequent sort of like chicken shit heel tags to, to the others. And Bulldog picks up HBK and starts doing shoulder presses with him. It's outrageous, wasn't it? Whoa, like oh, ludicrous it, and looks brilliant doing it. Jesus Christ, outrageous. Just thing. insane. Slammed him down with a press slam after that. Uh, Bulldog then picks up a sitting Sean, 
like lifts him off the canvas by grabbing him by his hair from behind. If you got about four foot in the air with obvious, you know, huge help from Sean, not that you could tell. Brilliant heel stuff from Bulldog, cracking selling from Sean. Reminds me a bit of Jeff Hardy. Cornet loves this. Turns to the crowd we see as the as the uh, the ringside cameras on Cornet. He goes motioning the manoeuvre, pulling Sean's hair, going right out of his head, cracking. We get a pin from Davy Boy. One, two, and HBK raises a leg to the rope just in time. Brilliant. USA chance start up against the Bulldog. Cornet's livid as American Cornet furious with it. Fantastic. <laughs> Bulldog tags in Owen after a great-looking headbutt, expertly sold by Sean again. Greasy heel Owen uh, brilliantly antagonises Diesel and Taker, so referee Earl Hebner's distracted by stopping the two big lads from entering the ring, giving Bulldog and Yoko the chance to work over HBK with strikes in the corner, as Owen expertly checks to see if they're finished behind the ref's back. Fucking brilliant. Taker and Diesel enter, so Owen races back to the corner and joins a triple team while Earl Heaven is going into overdrive, keeping these guys away in, in, in their corner. Um, and he keeps checking over his shoulder, Owen, as he's doing it to see has Earl Heaven turned around yet and, it's, and releases HBK just in time, like full cartoon stuff, but incredible. We head to a break, and when we return, Owen has Sean in the abdominal stretch, reaching back to have Bulldog add leverage from the ropes, which is obscured brilliantly from Earl Hebner's view. Again, released just in time, so no admonishment needed. And then, look who's at the top of the ramp. Haven't we done this already? This time, it's a besuited Dean Douglas here to take notes, just like we see all teachers do. (laughs) Honestly, what is this? I've I've noted down, it seems to be a bit of a pattern emerging in the sense that, like you said, haven't we seen this before? I'm sure he did. In the Razor matches, I'm sure he did two run-ins yeah. where he almost identically, he's come off the top, done a splash, and I think one on Razor's back, one on Razor's front. Yeah. But in two Razor matches, I'm pretty sure a few weeks back, that's what has happened there. So he, he seems to do things in twos. So last week he was out <laughs> taking notes. This week he's out taking notes. Previous weeks he was out doing splashes as part of a run-in. So yeah, I don't know where... Uh, Good point, Jim. Well, there you go. Maybe that'll be some... We'll keep an eye on that one going forward. This is it. See what happens next. <laughs> uh, cutting between the wide-angle hard cam and a shot over Dean Douglas's shoulder on the ramp, we see Mr. Fuji swapping between waving Yokozuna's Japanese flag and the British Bulldog's British one. He'll back any country as long as they're on Cornet's side, uh, in Cornet's stable, Jim. I think it's cracking eel stable, they say, actually. I think it's, it, this works so well. HBK's abdomen is still being stretched in the ring as the crowd start to rally. Owen and Bulldog repeat their sneaky extra leverage lean behind spot, but this time Earl clocks them and he kicks their hands apart to break it up. Doing so enables Sean to do an over-the-shoulder arm drag takedown to break the stretch. Michael reverses a back body drop into a backslide and the crowd, Vince and Paul Bear, who's just in shot, love it. Two count on Owen who just kicks out but then pops up into a devastating falling clothesline. In tags Yoko, Michael still can't make the tag to one of the big lags. He's been in for ages by this point, Sean. Like, it's getting, even watching it, it's getting frustrating. And Owen and Mr. Fuji's charge execute, like, a really nasty-looking wishbone. Like, and again, Sean just sells it brilliantly. He's so good. You know, each one takes a leg and tear yeah, it yeah. apart the groin. Brilliant. No, um, did another, another expert job of, uh, of making stuff look great, didn't he? Correct, exactly. And he sells it brilliantly and holds his groin, rolls over. Awesome. Yoko then taunts Taker. HBK takes a haymaker from Yoko, who then tags in Bulldog for a great-looking double headbutt. Yoko does this sort of sideways. Timing looked perfect before an absolutely stunning 
hanging suplex from the man from Blighty. Sean was up vertical in the air for fully six or seven seconds at the hand of Bulldog. All while Paul Bearer in the corner looks aghast, like swapping this look between Sean and Taker and Sean and Taker to see what his reaction should be. And, uh, you know, looking as if he'd got to take a second, are you seeing this? And, like, and he, he winces at the landing as well. It's like, oh, fucking just good cricket all around this lad. It just, oh, perfect. The suplex garners Bulldog a two count. He brings Owen back in, a snap there into a sleeper from Owen. And the crowd are frustrated again. HBK still can't get to the corner. But he then starts to hulk up, and Dean Douglas is still making notes. The crowd feed off HBK's revival. Elbows from Sean into Owen's sternum. Overhand punches in Owen's head. Runs the ropes, and he's wiped out again, this time by a lovely spinning wheel kick from Hart. Two count. Owen protests, and HBK grabs his tight into a schoolboy for a really close two count, nearly three of his own. This makes Owen livid, and he gets up and batters the top of HBK's head in retaliation. We get this cracking gut wrench suplex from Hart um, that we almost miss as we get a double feature replay of the lovely spin and wheel kick. Come on, lads. The amount of rest holds we've had in this match so far, and you cut when there's actually something happening. Back to full screen. Owen goes up top. Vince's voice increases pitch to almost like inaudible levels before we can just make out that he's apologising for taking a commercial break here. This is Owen atop the turnbuckle. This is outrageous. Jumping in. Outrageous. And he is, I mean, full midair, hands aloft. And that's where we cut. Fucking hell, lads. He is within within inches of landing this move. He's he's at the point of, you're looking at, is is Shawn Michaels going to roll out the way? It was that point. It was was the last possible point where where Michaels could have rolled out the way or this move's going to land. And that is where they cut. That's exactly (laughs) what. It was literally that bad. I was like, fucking hell, lads. We're back. Both lads are on the deck reaching for their respective corners and we cut straight to a replay to find out what happened. Owen's frog splash just missed as HBK rolled out in the nick of time. Owen tags in Bulldog and after what feels like an absolute eternity, Michaels finally makes the hot tag and he leaps to bring in Diesel. We get driving shots from Big Daddy Cool. Bulldog's whipped into the ropes. Go on. Forearm smashes, weren't they, from, oh. uh, from Diesel? I thought they looked really toilet he looks green he does not look why would you if you'd been i've been sat on the sideline i've, I've been watching my tag team partner Shawn michaels yeah. and one of my fellow dudes with attitude getting, getting beaten up <laughs> and i've been itching to get in this ring and now i'm finally in and i can i can really unload on these guys so i'm gonna i'm gonna hit them with my forearm when i oh, could no. quite easily just punch them so do you know what i mean why isn't he why isn't he and utilizing the, the punches there could, i totally agree I totally agree, and, and, and it didn't. They didn't look good in any case. Like they, if these were like you know forearms that look fantastic, they looked like uh, they looked pulled. Like it really poor. I mean, Bulldog I thought did a decent job of trying to make them look as good as possible, but he's working with nothing here. Bulldog's whipped into the ropes, and we get a big sidewalk slam from Diesel. This looked better, and this had the crowd in the feet. In runs Yokozuna. Diesel fends him off with another pretty pants forearm. A big heel kick sends Hart to the outside. Diesel's right hand knocks Yoko to the corner as the WWF champ goes to bounce off the ropes to go after the prone Bulldog. But as he does so, Hart's back up and attacks Diesel in the back from the outside. The Bulldog then takes advantage and picks up Diesel before delivering a running power slam. He's going to get the win? No, Taker breaks up the pin as Yoko runs in to deliver an enormous leg drop to Diesel. Jesus, by the way... (laughs) Bulldog is strong, isn't he? He's picked it's up these seven mental. foot tall, and however much he weighs, Kevin Nash, and he has absolutely ran, running power slammed him. It, it, very, it, it was very impressive to watch. Oh, it's phenomenal. Straight he up is. there, bang, 
Oh, it's incredible. He is. He is. I mean, we see later in the promo, spoilers. Um, you see him up close, and he's a he is a big lad. It's it's oh, he's, he's, he's incredible strength. Take a scent back outside by Earl, and Bulldog covers the now KO'd Big Daddy Cool. One, two, three. He got it. Crowd. Very surprised. I couldn't believe it. Crowd boo. King is jubilant and made this. He got him. He pinned Diesel. Yes, he did, King. The champ just got beaten in the middle of the ring. Blimey. It was very easy. Very easy way to... uh... To beat, to, like I say, to beat the champ. And yeah, I'm, I, was, I, was, I definitely don't see it coming. No, I couldn't believe it either. So Bulldog's music hits. Um, but before we can celebrate, King Mabel's making his way to the ring. That's right, the third run-in of the match. Yoko adds extra shots to Diesel and the dead man defends him. Owen then enters the ring. Mabel enters and goes straight for Taker. Chaos. Earl calls for the bell. <laughs> and you can imagine how much good that does. Taker's whipped in the corner by Mabel, who then calls for Yoko. Yoko obliges and goes and splashes Taker, sprints and, like, splashes him in the corner with absolute comedy commentary from Vince. He goes, unbelievable, as he hits, really tickled me. Mabel motions to copy Yoko and starts off sprinting. He moves in treacle. It's almost like his legs are too small for his frame, right? He's like Dr. Robotnik, right? He's like they're flailing out in front of him, but he just can't make his mask get above like three miles an hour. So but this is like a couple of weeks ago, isn't it, when he um, when Undertaker had to hang around like stalling for oh, yes. him to be in some kind of trance while they're waiting for fucking Mabel to get up the ramp to get it. Oh, sorry, not even the ramp now. Just get up, get up the kind of gangway to get to the ring and it just took <laughs> yeah. forever. Oh, it was... Uh, geological time the splash then as a result looks a bit daft because you know especially after Yoko's looked so good it's then this like real you know take a cutter moved 15 times but he sells it well enough and flops forward in the centre of the ring and then the two 600 pound behemoths start dropping legs onto the dead man like they're going out of fashion then Dean Douglas puts his notepad down and starts attacking HBK at the side of the ring, driving his back into the edge of the mat. The evil knowledge sharer then gives HBK a reverse suplex slam onto the dislodged steel steps, but it didn't really look that good, so he sort of picks him up front face lock like a suplex and then drops him forwards onto the, you know, sort of like face first on this thing. Didn't, didn't really work. Yeah, no, it looked a bit pants, didn't it? But did you see straight after when the fans slapped him? The, no. The woman in the crowd. What, so, Dean so Douglas? done that. Yeah, oh, she's hit the <laughs> Dean. She's hit the Dean, the despicable Dean. He's done the reverse suplex, as you mentioned, and then he's turned round, and he is kind of now at the bottom of the of the of said gangway, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, there's a woman has reached, kind of reached over, stretched out, and she has clocked him around the side <laughs> of the head. Like, full on, like, you know, genuinely, like, I you miss are Shawn Michaels, I am irate. And she's, yeah, she's gone for a bit. She's full on him. It was, a, it, was, it, was, it was superb to see, actually. I was surprised the crowd got so into it. Yeah. It really did. It really did. Uh, I have to do so. I have to say, I, I, I did enjoy the match, but this, it's, for me, was, was, was the pinnacle of it. So yeah. Just get to well, see, I... seeing someone in the crowd this involved. <laughs> this, the, the heat to, uh, to, to affect it. That well, that's it. Well, uh... Dean Douglas, not that we condone any interaction with the wrestlers, ladies and gentlemen, of course not, but um, Dean Douglas has very much done his job if he's, if he's garnered exactly. such heat in such a short exactly space of time. Point, yeah, got, exactly. a, got a hand to him. Uh, Diesel flat on the apron, getting choked and struck by Bulldog and Owen, with the former then hopping in the ring to start these kind of like springboard foot stomps. It did look good from Bulldog again. All the while, Mabel's continuing to drop legs on the flat-out taker in the ring. And we head to a break, sheesh, and he lie down after that. 
When we come back, the trail of destruction and carnage remains with a solemn Vince giving us an apology for there not being another match on. But due to the evident destruction, it's not been possible, Jim. King loves it and he goes full OTT ecstatic saying, you can't believe what we've just witnessed. We've just witnessed history seeing Diesel, the WWF champ, pinned. We then get a recap of Raw last week with heart beating Jean-Pierre Lafitte. But you, Is it a recap? Yeah, we're getting a recap. a recap on Raw? <laughs> it's unheard of, I know. I but believe it. <laughs> you'd think it's safe with Jerry on comms over it, right? Because Vince then says, you'd think Jerry the King Lawler had took his tail between his legs, at uh, which King hops in. No way! King is so good here. He just tells us he had this plan in mind. We're reliving what we saw last week, which is King goading Bret Hart into attacking him to distract for Isaac Yankum to come in and jump Bret. The replay shows King hopping up onto his chair and taking his jacket off, and King adds on comms, when he saw that body, he almost ran to the back. <laughs> Brilliant. Cut a heart clocking Lawler, who hilariously lies. I blocked it. And then really clocking him. I blocked that too, as he sent over the barricade onto the concrete floor. I was genuinely giggling at this. It was really good from King. Enter Isaac Yankum to blindside Brett. And then we're back in the ring, where Diesel and Taker have just about gotten up. We get a graphics card telling us that Bret Hart will face off against everyone's favourite evil dentist and future Kane, Isaac Yankum, all inside a steel cage. Hang on, why are Yankum's teeth so bad? Uh, is he, I don't understand. Is, that, is this Vince being... Is this Vince funny? He's a dentist with shit teeth. Is that, is that it? But they stress, don't they? They stress all the medical qualifications and whatever else, given that his finishes come the DDS and everything else. Yeah. So, so, like, he's got the background. He's got the background. He's got the, he's got the bag, Jim. He's got, he's got his fucking he's dentist bag. He brings it out with him. Don't go nowhere without it. <laughs> doesn't. So, so he's got all all the capabilities yeah. to sort out these bads. Maybe he just doesn't trust other dentists. I don't know. Aye. For all, all the wrongs that he's done. I mean, I can imagine. imagine <laughs> see how he treats Good. these other wrestlers. How, I imagine how he treats you, the rival dentists. I don't know. Maybe he... <laughs> He doesn't want to give him the opportunity. Brilliant kayfabe saving logic there, Jim. Perfect, thank you. Um, then, bizarrely, we cut to footage from the igloo in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to, and I'm not kidding here, rewatch last August's SummerSlam match between Brett and oh, Yankum. What was this? Which Vince... This went on for ages. Didn't it, right? And Vince claims, <laughs> Vince claims this is what led to the match that's going to happen next week. No, it didn't. The replay from last week's Raw that you've just shown us, that's what led to the match next week. But We've had the squarest of pegs being rammed into the roundest of holes here. This we? is crazy. What is this? So, 45-minute show. 45-minute show, and we're, in, we're into it. 10 minutes of a fucking... <laughs> a two-month-old match. Slam. Yeah. So we, we pick up the match, uh, what appears to be a little while into it. Yankum's looking pretty green here, Um and he, he sort of clubs Brett to the back, but it looks pretty pulled, a bit like Diesel's forearms. Physically, Yankamir looks amazing, doesn't he? Like, he looks like a million bucks, yeah, apart from no, yeah, his awful baggy blue scrubs trousers. Um, and we learn from the comms team that should Jerry the King Lawler, this is the current comms team saying that uh, should Jerry the King Lawler try to interfere in next week's cage match, and the cage match designed to keep people out, so it's already there to stop Lawler interfering, but should he try to, to help Yankum, he'll be hoisted above the ring in a small cage of his own. What? Having said that, I would quite like to see King in a tiny little cage, so fair enough. Well, total mark for do, do you think he's going to end up, do you think he's going to end up in the <laughs> I don't just... think they'll tease this if it's not going to happen, Jim. <laughs> you don't think they'll tease this 20 times without actually delivering it? <laughs> 
Oh, mercifully, we're not too far from the finish of this one. So um, one bit, again, which was classic from Lawler on comms, in that there's a bit where um, Hart drags the face down Yankum by his legs. So they're either side of the ring post and then Hart then ties them together with a yeah, TV cable. Yeah. Like, and which is, again, and, and uh, Vince makes a comment about like, well, Brett bending the rules here. And Lawler's like, oh, he's bending them, is he? Oh, he's not breaking them because he's the good guy. <laughs> like, yes, correct, Lawler. Call out the hypocrisy too, right? Back in the ring, Brett's running the rope. Lawler grabs his ankle, sending him to the mat. Brett rounds on Lawler. The two tussle. Yankum then arrives behind Brett and the two of them twist over and they basically twist Brett's head in between the two twisted middle and top ropes, trapping Brett's head uh, and neck between them as the bell then rings for a DQ. Brett's in control about this with his hands either side of it, but it just looked like, I don't know why I need to see this, because then it just hit with the chair. Like, I, you know, just two metal ropes teasing decapitation. Don't want to see it, lads. Looked a bit nasty, but that's it. Fucking hell. We're finally back to October, and Vince thanks us for our patience. You're too fucking right, Vince. Sonny and Skipper in the ring, and Fatu enters. Jim, it's Rikishi. He's here, Rikishi, and he's he looking is. great. And yeah, he's trimming. He's about half the size. He looks brilliant. But he's half the size. But then throughout this match, they're still kind of getting over the idea that like, whoa, he's huge. And like, whenever really, really, he's you know landing on top of <laughs> yeah. uh, Candido, they're like, you know, they're like, whoa, look at this. You sort of think he's a big deal the size of him, and and he is half the size. <laughs> Of what he was when he was Rikishi. Comfortably, yeah. The producers are telling Jerry that something is going on back in the locker room and we, we head to a break. Yeah, King pulls a bit of a bitch off here, doesn't he? Doesn't he, he just... He understands something's going on in the back and, uh, yeah, we never find out what that is. We never <laughs> see that. We don't. But, Jim, what we do get is an ad for the WWF World Tour de Force. And, Jim, where do you reckon they're going on this round-the-world trip? Where do you reckon it's taking them? I'll tell you. Springfield, Massachusetts, Glen Falls, New York, Rochester, New York, Binghamton, New York, Syracuse, New York, and Utica, New York. A truly global tour. <laughs> We're back in the ring, Skip and Fatu with Sonny on the outside. Skip, whose gimmick with Sonny, the other half of the body donors, is that of a fitness fanatic. He's wearing a naughty light blue wrestling singlet with peroxide blonde dyed hair. Fatu is in his sort of like um, yellow, red and blue, uh, like long tights in a sort of like Harlequin-esque, but I think he's sort of going for like a 90s pastiche, don't know, but I'm sure it looked cool at the time. A fairly standard start, Skip starts to take control and then drives Fatu's head into the turnbuckle, no effect. Fatu has a hard head, it seems, because he's Samoan, I believe. Not sure that stands up in 2020. Upon the turnbuckle head no-sell, Skip screams with shock, and then Fatu dances to celebrate and then creams Skip. Fatu sets up a double leg drop onto the groin, and Sonny is... You would think, though, before, before we get to the double leg drop on the groin, yeah, you on. would think, though, once he has, you know... <laughs> once he's learned. ...acknowledged that this, is, this guy's <laughs> head is very hard and it shocked him at this point, you would think then, right... What I'm not going to do is, for the rest of this match, I'm going I'm to focus on somewhere else, another point of weakness possible. The head is clearly an area. It's like, like a turtle. You would not just keep, right, I'm going to go for this shell. I'm going to go for this. I'm going to keep going for the shell. You wouldn't go for the shell. You'd try and flip the turtle over and see what you could do there, wouldn't you? Exactly you correct. you keep trying to break the shell. You wouldn't do it. No. It'd be too hard. And particularly but, because he sold it with such shock. In, in, in you know in this first instance as well he's been he's been exactly. shocked by it he's been shocked by the sheer fucking teak toughness of his head <laughs> he, he would surely be thinking right change plan change tact whatever I was going for with the head now I'm gonna I'm gonna work on the I'm gonna work on the, I'm gonna work on the legs instead I'm gonna get the big exactly. man off his face I'm gonna work on the legs you'd think straight away that's what he'd do but however 
So Fatu teases the double leg drop and Sonny straight up onto the uh, ring apron to distract. It works and Fatu heads out of the ring and follows Sonny, but keeps an eye over his shoulder for the inevitable approaching Skip. And then he turns around at the last second to close Lime into the crowd's delight. Skip dodges a Fatu spear into the turnbuckle, giving Skip the opportunity to drop Fatu with a belly-to-back suplex before taunting with some star jumps. Fitness things is apparently what he does to talk. Yeah, he's not a real sure. bad guy. Yeah. He's a real bad guy with them star jumps. Doesn't work, oh, does it? I don't like him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, fucking rubbish. It's terrible, isn't it? Whip to the ropes and Fatu ducks a clothesline and follows up with a powerful punch to knock Skip down. Fatu receives a roundhouse kick to his back, a long two count as we build to the finish. Bionic elbow from Skip hurts him more than Fatu, owing to the hard head though, Jim, he hasn't won. Snap bear by Skip into the sleeper. Fatu gets up but is thrown to the canvas as Skip climbs to the top rope. Sonny mugs it to the camera at the apron and declares, it's over now, I have to go home and get my nails done. Uh, Skip dives with a flying headbutt, connects, but it hurts him more than it hurts Fatu, Jim. Fatu no-sells it. He hasn't learned. Fucking hell. <laughs> Skip holds his face as Fatu bounces to his feet and dances like it's 1995. Fatu on the attack now, into the ropes, back body drop, backbreaker. Fatu goes up top himself. Nope, Sonny distracts. Skip drives Fatu into the ring post, and that finally does hurt him. His head apparently... Hard, but not harder than the ring post. Skip tries to lift Fatu onto the ropes with a front face lock and can't quite make it. Fatu is a very big lad, as you say, and Fatu really has to help him out getting him up there, so he's sitting on the top rope. Skip goes for the superplex. Was never, ever going to work. Skip can't do it. He walks away and sells the back. It was too much strain. I thought, fair enough. Tries again, and in fairness to him, I will give him this. He shouts, as he's clambering up to have another go, he shouts to Sonny in this, like, overly cocky, confident way, I got him this time, which he clearly doesn't. <laughs> Crack me up, well played, mate. Fatu hits him with a big right hand, and then down goes Skip, and then Fatu comes off the top with a huge frog splash for the Jesus three. Jesus Christ, Wasn't it? Outrageous. Wasn't it big? And Skip Sells didn't like oh, this. kill him? I know, I know. Okay. hell? Skip sells by leaving his legs at right angles, so legs pointing straight into the air. Didn't really get that. That's not what you'd do. Um, Fatu celebrates with mock star jumps of his own, and Vince says that Jim Ross, yes, Jim Ross, is backstage yeah. with Mabel, the British Bulldog. I know, Mabel, the British Bulldog, and Jim Cornet right after the break. We're back, and Doc Hendricks is pacing in front. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going on? really in fucking JR, is it? <laughs> I know, straight away. Outrageous. You can't, you can't sell us JR. I know, we've got Doc Hendricks. Give us again. Doc Hendricks, like them classic wrestling teams. Doc Hendricks is always trying to sell. So we're back, as you rightly say, and it is, it's Doc Hendricks. He's pacing in front of what we're told is the locker room of HBK, Taker, and Diesel. Why are these lads sharing a locker room? Why is the Undertaker? Undertaker's a dead man. What does he change into? You know, why is he, and none of it works. But anyway, they're, they're, they're in there following their battering at the hands of the heels in the six-man tag. Doc is sporting a dirty blonde mini mullet and a tash, a white shirt with an oversized 80s collar, unbuttoned to reveal a hairy chest and a gold chain, with some grey chinos and this oversized 90s blazer. He looks like Del Boy's contact in Miami, Jim. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Back to Doc in front of the supposed faces locker room with a special report, as Vince calls it. Doc says he has just been in there, but doesn't think it's a good idea to go back in and interview him now. 
He says that none of them are feeling well and that Shawn Michaels stood up and tried to speak to him but then collapsed, which gets a cackle from King on comms. He went, ha! <laughs> Great. Then Doc says, if you want, I can go in and chat to them. But Vince says, no, 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 don't do that. Why Why wouldn't you do that? Why Why wouldn't you do it? Send him in. Why, why, are we, why are we not speaking to him? Well, he has no such qualms about them going straight to the hill. Well, you're <laughs> dead right, Jim, because we then get thrown straight to good old JR making his first appearance on the Monday Night Scores, Jim. You know, I've been wondering when we'll see JR for ages. Looking forward to hearing him early doors to see what he was like. But you can, dear listener, tell us who you are most looking forward to see pop up on the show at TMN Scores. Tell us on Twitter. JR takes us into another men's locker room, which is, as you say, Jim, no qualms with JR plowing into this one, uh, to reveal Cornet and Bulldog, who's now got a brown corduroy cap on. JR says in a really condescending way... No top. JR says in a really condescending way, I think you gentlemen should explain yourself. Is that in a Southern American accent. Cornet. Got to keep that in. <laughs> Corner, incredulous retorts. I think you should explain what you're doing busting in here with a camera in our locker room. What if we hadn't been dressed or decent Absolutely or something? Spot on. Correct, spot on. correct, Jim Cornet. Spawn. Fair point, well made. All the while, Bulldog's mugging it to the camera and flexing his biceps and back in between, shadow boxing the camera. Cornet reels off a lovely rapid fire promo saying that he wants everyone at home to feel this moment, to reach out and touch the screen because we have just done something that nobody has ever done before. Beaten Diesel. Excellent promo from Cornet, yeah, as ever. What's a promo? Corny wants Bulldog to beat Diesel for the title now in your house and take the title back to England because these people here don't deserve it. Nice setup to the PPV match here. Bulldog's beaten him once, albeit in a tag match and with outside interference, but now there's precedent. Now Diesel might have some doubt placed in his mind. Good stuff. All makes sense. Bulldog uses his superb transatlantic Wigan accent. Is that where he's from, Wigan? I was going to say, yeah. I, I wrote down my notes. I, cu- I could not place it. I yeah. Place it. I, did, I didn't know he was from Wigan. I, I couldn't yeah, Wigan place lad. the accent. Um, and uh, yeah, he said he's been denied title shots all his career in the WWF, but every time he gets a chance against the champ, he wins. Brett at SummerSlam at Wembley years ago. And um, Diesel tonight. So yeah, but you know, bit cheesy, but the numbers don't lie and they spell disaster for this promo. <laughs> Cornet says the people of the UK are already celebrating and that Bulldog's hat was given to him by Princess Diana, I assume, at SummerSlam a few years ago. <laughs> but, you know, here's a brown corduroy hat. <laughs> did, she, did she bring it with her? You know, just, to, I'm going to take I'll this. I'll give this to Bulldog. I'll give this to Bulldog. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Uh, but cool Uh, and then enter Mabel who calls Bulldog his homie he says Bulldog accomplished the impossible tonight just like he did by pinning the Undertaker 1-2-3 and that in Winnipeg he'll bury Taker under a mountain of snow I mean that was a bit lame but I didn't think it was that bad on the mic I mean the content he's got obviously a phenomenal voice does Mabel. It yeah, sounds thought, yeah. huge. He sounds, you know, for all Vince's, you know, OTT, hey, he's from Brazil, or whatever he said. Um, this guy <laughs> acts <laughs> Brazilian, Brazilian. There we go. Mabel has this huge voice that sounds, just sounds brilliant. You're dead right. Yes. Bit cheesy, but I mean, Yeah, the content wasn't great, but the actual delivery was. Sounds superb. Really does. Uh, and, and better than, you know, bless him, Bulldog. 
We get a replay of the six-man tag and head back to comms where Vince asks Jerry what he thinks about how he'll be placed in a shark cage next week if he interferes with the Brett Yanker match. King says Brett must have gone into old banana breath Gorilla Monsoon's office and begged him to do something about Lawler and Vince sends us out as we see a cheesy promo for the cage match including a shot of Monsoon overlaid with a WWF presidential seal which I quite like. Could be a crack and heel gimmick that if he came out on in front of the seal, you know, presidential seal lectern or something. Anyway, I digress. We'll have to find out if Jerry's put in the shark cage atop the ring next week on Raw. that was WWF Raw and as is customary here on the Monday Night Scores we're now going to review the Raw ratings builders and killers Jim over to you kick us off with your Raw ratings builders builder number one at last at last day someone has got some heat you see the heels <laughs> yeah. the heels have finally have finally done something despicable and it was it was much needed in my opinion uh, builder number two is uh, Shawn Michaels selling makes every oh. every movie takes every movie takes looks great and yeah it's really good to see really good to watch it really does a lot for the matches he's in for obvious reasons and finally builder number three and as you quite rightly pointed out we're obviously not condoning violence for members <laughs> of the public towards people in the public eye but the fan who slapped Dean Douglas I, I was really. <laughs> really impressed with the fact that this lady was so caught up in, in the moment and was so... So real to her. Yeah, so real to her, so angry at the fact that, that the, the Dean, the <laughs> the despicable <laughs> Dean had, had, had done what he'd done to uh, to HBK, that she had to take matters into her own hands and and exact some form of revenge. So, yeah, that was uh, nice to see. In a way, because now, obviously, where you know, wrestling... No one would do that now, would they? Because, no. for, again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just mean the point that no one takes it seriously and everyone knows it's yeah, yeah. what it is. Yeah, the, and yeah, you, just, you just wouldn't see that level of fan engagement, I don't think. So to see it here was really good. Yeah, lovely. That's cracking. I'm, I'm good. I missed it. I'm going to have to go back and watch now just to see this. Oh, she whacks him. I can't. She does. <laughs> well, she has the right swing. Incredible. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I'll give you my builder. So builder number one for me was the British Bulldog. I think he's an absolutely cracking heel in the ring. His moves are poetic at times. Everything's just really classy with him. He's a Rolls Royce of a wrestler, you know, British gimmick appropriate pun intended and um, but he also makes as i say as i said earlier the meat and potato stuff just like owen just like sean who also get a, a name check here makes all those things look great too and um, plus he looks a million bucks and you know as i say just what a talent he is in the ring builder number two lawler <laughs> he knocked it out of the park this week he genuinely made me giggle a few times with some of his black is white white is black like chicken shittery um, and he, as, a, he, as Bischoff got a rival, as you said, <laughs> he might well do. Jeez. And he, and he sort of he also adds a lot to the kind of like, you know the you know the don't seem to be amazing on the mic. Brett and Yankum without Lawler, I mean that stuff was I thought was pretty boring anyway. But without Lawler, it would be Tony Tellyoff stuff for me. Um, even the little things like the outburst upon hearing HBK's collapsed. You know he he earned his cash on comms tonight. This lad. He has to feel for it, doesn't he? The moments of oh, to chip in and whatnot. Just brilliant. And build number three, managers used effectively. 
Cornet, Bearer, Sonny, less so Fuji, but he's just there to build Yokozuna's mystique. But they were all genuinely additive to the matches. Bearer's reactions, both good and bad, plus amping up the crowd at times, all fantastic, just as, as they were with Sonny. Um, she drew attention on herself at the right times, bit cheesy at times, but, you know, she's got a cheesy gimmick and it's the 90s. Um, and she covered for some, what was some pretty flat action in the ring by doing so at the right times. Um, and I just, I don't have enough superlatives for Cornet promo tonight. Just great. So, Jim, what were your three ratings killers? Uh, top of the killers for me is the, what I've, what I've dubbed the ultimate recap. I mean, 45 minutes of airtime. You've, you've spoke about you spoke about yeah. the incessant the incessant ramming of recaps down everybody's throats. But um, with 45 minutes of airtime, the fact that they decided to replay almost the entirety, rest holds and all, of uh, Bret Hart and Isaac Yankman's match yeah. from the previous SummerSlam is just insanity has as well and truly prevailed in that particular decision. So they were. They were Hundreds of better things they could have done there to build the cage match next week, and and that's what they went for. Absolute utter toilet. Yeah, agreed. Um, it was a close run thing for one and two in the building's killers. Go on. So the ultimate recap won, but it, it it was a you know a very tight call between that and Shawn Michaels pretending to cry about the kids <laughs> looking up to him. That was despicable. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, was, that really was despicable. But the heels, the heels obviously were despicable in a, in a wrestling sense. This was genuinely, <laughs> genuinely despicable. The, you know, we all know he's he's great at selling and generating sympathy in the ring, but out of the ring, I think his I think his act needs work. <laughs> Fair. And uh, finally, uh, killer number three was was Skip. Skip trying to yeah. trying to fly and headbutt someone in the forehead, having identified multiple times throughout the match. That the forehead of this person was the was the reinforced, super strong Homer Simpson <laughs> can't knock him out area of this person. Yet I am still going to go all the way to the top rope. Uh. I'm going to headbutt him. Where are you going to headbutt him? In the forehead. <laughs> that, that level of fucking nonsense. Where are you going to hit him? In his rock hard head. All right. What weapon are you going to use to do that? My head. Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> Ludicrous. Yeah, that 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 deserves a spot for me. That but but it's, it's a long way. It's a long way back from the two most egregious. Uh, this week. <laughs> fair enough. Well, my killer number one: all the evil heels arriving to help the other evil heels in one match. Do you need three run-ins when you've already got a six-man tag and three managers at ringside? Like we had Dean Douglas, Jigsaw, and Holiday Whale on Mercy, and King Mabel all interfere. Like I get that this was a, a spectacle, fine, you know, being great in the crowd just to say everyone, and be a way of wrapping up, you know, umpteen storylines in one segment. But the argument falls down if you then have a replay of a match from two months ago as your next segment. You know what I mean? Like you've, you've, you could have used that time to do one of these storylines rather than wrapping up into this complex mush. Which leads me to my second ratings killer. Why is one of your segments in a forty-five-minute show a replay of a PPV match from two months ago? Just show us a recap. And the king interference, Brett, head stuck in rope stuff and be done with it. Ridiculous. And then killer number three. It's sort of tied in the previous one, but I could have done with seeing a few more people wrestle. We've basically had HBK in the ring getting battered by heels for ages and ages. Like We could have comfortably cut that match in half, gotten to the heel beatdown at the end in about half the time and still told the exact same story. Like, ridiculous.
So that was Raw, and now over to Nitro from the 9th of October, 1995. Jim, take us through it. Coming at us from Chicago, Illinois, we start the Hogan show very, very early. <laughs> Even before the titles, we've got a recap of Hogan having his lip turf reduced from <laughs> snaking yeah. golden handlebar to <laughs> stumpy blonde Hitler tash. <laughs> <laughs> and I was then at this point wondering, are they going to run... With a Samson, the best prop in the world, <laughs> and Delilah-style angle where all his power is emanating from this fucking it's naughty, naughty piece of lip surf. But <laughs> <laughs> alas, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that one goes. Yeah. We hit the titles, uh, nothing to see here, same as always. And then comes, comes open up, and they're all wearing... Chicago Bears gear. They're decked out from head to toe in Chicago Bears gear. They start with their, with their backs to the camera so we can all see their names and their numbers. And uh, you'll be pleased to hear, Steve, that uh, your favourite commentator, Eric Bischoff, <laughs> he is. who I have to say is doing a superb job. I can see why I like him. He's doing a superb job of making this opening <laughs> sound like a big deal. And he's wearing... He does, in fairness. He's wearing Bischoff, Bischoff number one. He's, Course you know, he is. He's, he's got no, no qualms with taking that number one, no. number one jersey. No humility uh, here, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I like sporting, this. He's sporting a number two jersey. And then we cut to Mongo on the, on the, on the, on the, the far left as we're looking at it. He's wearing his number 76. And from this, I can only assume that the shirt numbers are a representation of their ranking amongst WCW commentators. And then... We... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the commentators then turn around, face the camera... And it's revealed that Heenan's wearing a question mark, not a number two. And <laughs> I'm not going to change that because the joke wouldn't work otherwise. But uh, <laughs> they sit down and straight away sting. He's straight up in the grills. He's replicating the spot that Flair did last week, where he in is. which he wants to take the headphones. He's got something to say. Bischoff, though, he doesn't let him rip them off because he's not prepared <laughs> to have his Lego hair tampered with this early <laughs> in the episode. And who can sting, blame him? Though, who can blame him? <laughs> sting, though, is wearing a belt. Where, yeah. where, where is this belt? Where's yeah. this belt come from? <clears throat> exactly what I've got. What's Sting the champion of? We don't know. And Sting doesn't tell us either. No. Nope. It's the first time we've seen Sting with a belt on Nitro. And he uses this opportunity to tell us not about this belt he's wearing, his belt he's carrying it with him, but he thinks that the rivalry between Macho Man Randy Savage and the total package, <laughs> no, he doesn't say Lex Luger, nope. has gone too far. And he is going to solve that problem tonight. I mean, there's only one man for the job. He dies. It's got to be Sting. Yeah, Sting will get him at the table. Sting will get him talking. Don't worry about it. Sting, the champion of something. He'll get him, he'll get him talk, talking about it. The secret champion. <laughs> and then some music hits and, oh boy, here comes, yeah. here comes the shark. Oh. The shark's back. And at this point, at this point, Mean Gene in the ring, the ring announcer, he announces that this is a US heavyweight championship match. And it's dawned on me at this point that the Shark is certainly in the correct weight division. <laughs> <laughs> it did annoy me, though, that Sting made no reference. Yeah, no, no, clearly. To the promo of this match. Yeah. Why, well, in his promo, why would, he not, why would he not mention he's defending his title here? Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, did you also know, as an aside here, Jim, where Mean Gene said the shark hailed from. Where did he come from? The shark hails from Tsunami. Tsunami? Doesn't work, does it? Because that's not a what, place. extreme weather condition? Uh, correct. I mean, it would take one to get the lad 
to shift because he's a, he's a big lad. But you could have just said like the Great Barrier Reef or something. There you go, somewhere, perfect. Somewhere sharks are known to congregate. Perfect. There you go, Jim. You should you should they should have had you in 1995 as nature <laughs> nature consultant, <laughs> <laughs> and we would have we would have solved this awful issue. Tsunami from tsunami doesn't work. Mongo speculated Sting's going to interfere in a match as his means of resolving this issue between Macho and uh, Lex Luger. But given that there are no matches booked between the two of them, I'm not quite sure what match she's referring to that Sting <laughs> yeah. is going to interfere in. Heenan, however, does save the day. And on, on, on a day when Heenan put a big shift in, oh, yeah. I thought oh, he, he saved the day by, by hazarding a more reasonable guess as to what Sting might do and Go telling on. him to focus on the upcoming match against the Shark. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, yeah, Sting's making his way into the ring. Shark jump starts the match. What do you think comms are talking about? Well, Jim, I have seen it, but if I hadn't, I'd have been hazarding a guess that it'd be Hulk Hogan straight away. You are absolutely spot on. <laughs> they are indeed. Completely missed the jump start, and there's not a lot of match to talk about here as no, well, so really to be isn't. discussing Hogan is, is completely <sighs> unnecessary. So the Shark starts out, big power slam, yeah. and a big elbow drop, then a big leg drop. What's big? He clearly means business here. <laughs> Wouldn't want to get a leg drop off the shark. No. And, but then, if we were to rewind back a couple of weeks, we would know that the shark, he's not been seen since. He, he ended the career of, of potential decent heel Scott Norton <laughs> yeah. in what was the second ever episode of Nitro, <laughs> where he fell on Scott Norton. Norton could not get him off. No, it did and for this him. enabled Macho Man to hit an elbow drop and defeat him one, two, three. It did. Scott Norton obviously looked incredibly stupid in that moment. <laughs> but now we've got, we're back in the ring here. We've had the power slam, we've had the elbow drop, we've had the leg drop. The shark sees an opportunity. There's blood in the water. There's blood in the water here. The shark's on him. The shark's on him like a, the blubberiest of seals at the, the, first, the first light of dawn. And Sting's kicked out rapid. Yeah, straight away. So, so by this logic, yeah. how, 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 how could Norton not get the shark off? Couldn't move him at all. Sting straight, kicks out straight away. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And can, can we just, at uh, this point, because as you say, it's a very short match, this, so th- th- there won't be many opportunities to raise this, but the shark's get up. Fuck, what, what is this? <laughs> but he, he's got like his bandana on with his bald head, shark teeth kind of like painted on his face. A big shark gut. Sharks don't have two mouths, do they? No, not that I'm aware I'm no Attenborough, but I, I'm, I mean, sets of teeth, fine, but two separate mouths. Much like the Mr. Wonderful vanity gimmick, this has to be a piss take. Who is the least shark-like man you can think of? It's him. <laughs> it's him. Who is the what least... Streamlined. S- streamlined, svelte killer. It's <laughs> him. Mu- Pure muscle. Pure just... muscle. It's, 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 it's the guy who used to be Avalanche. It's him. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Gotta be a joke. Sorry. Well, yeah, no, no, that's a very valid point to raise. Um, back in the ring, Sharky misses a big splash in the corner. This is uh, Sting's big opportunity. Sting runs from the opposite corner to drive Shark chest first into the turnbuckle. Yeah. And then he does it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes to Shark's a bit dazed Shark's foot stumbling around Sting he goes straight up the top Shark turns around Sting hits a big flying crossbody I've said big quite a lot of times here but maybe I'm just caught up in what's happening in the ring <laughs> particularly one of the individuals Sting hits a, a crossbody and much to my surprise one, two, three he's won it 
it's over in about what minute and a half no time at all yeah really minute short. Or something like that. no messing around the fear inducing formidable force known as the shark he has been slain by a flying crossbody yeah I mean the only thing I will say in shark's defence is that he was for the 30 seconds he was active was slightly more mobile than I thought he would be but then it became instantly apparent oh well this is why because he's this is him at maximum yeah. and he can he can last for 30 seconds and then that's it but oh. Yeah, no, it's probably it. He's he's, uh, he's come out, come out straight in the fourth gear, fifth gear, whatever. What's the, what's the top gear? Depends on you. Forget all that. We're going to have that on Twitter. That's going to be one of the quotes. What's top, what's top gear, Jim? Depends on your car, Steve. You should be a programme on BBC Two Sunday nights, Jim. <laughs> Wrestling podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sorry. Oh man, brilliant. Yeah, the bell rings, ding ding. Sting has uh, retained his United States Heavyweight Championship, even though he he, he didn't care really. <laughs> no. But uh, we get a quick recap of the match by Heenan. Couple of the replays. Mongo takes us back to the Hogan Show, of course. Yeah. And we've got a recap of the Tash Shaving Shambles from the previous week. It's a full recap. We've got we've got we've got the whole segment from last week replayed in all its. Unglorious, <laughs> gloriousness, um, including Jimmy Hart getting completely blindsided by Mother Teresa's stick. That's best fair. That, that was glorious. Wasn't it? <laughs> See, uh, Hogan's best friend, Jimmy Hart. Take a <laughs> <laughs> an unfortunate one from Mother Teresa. So we've got the whole thing. I couldn't believe. Sting gets about a minute and a half to defend his US title, and we've got a whole recap of a segment that we saw just one week ago. I skipped over a bit of this, fast-forwarded through, I've got to say. Yeah, don't blame you. I seen it last week. I yeah. seen it just a week ago. Um, Halloween Havoc, Havoc advert is played. It's exactly the same one again. Yeah. Even though there's only one, there's still only one match book for this pay-per-view. Yeah. They still got exactly the same. Do we need and to keep still, showing this advert? And it still has the the, the, the bare-faced affrontery to say, card subject to change as a as an asterisk. There's only one, <laughs> what do you mean? What, there's one match? <laughs> I suppose, suppose there's two in there, in the sense that maybe, maybe they're saying the... <laughs> The guys who built who built Gravedigger, if they can't get Hogan's uh, truck out in time, turned around. Oh <laughs> man! Reserving the right to cancel that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's the behind on the Gantt chart of production in the uh, in the Gravedigger garage. Possibly, yeah, possibly. <laughs> uh, so we're back uh, back in Chicago. We've got we've got Sabu. Yeah, he's back. Sabu's Fantastic back in action. Here he comes. He's, he's facing uh, Mr. Mr. JL. Yeah. Who I assume Mr. Jerry Lynn, but oh. of ECW fame. But I but I I have not looked it up and I'm guessing, but he looks a lot like him, just he's in loot. No, I didn't you know, make a connection. Yeah. Well I, I might be I might well be wrong and with all kinds of egg on my face, but it it looked to me a bit like Jerry Lynn and JL. Yeah, checks out, fit. checks out, Mr. But, JL. Well we we, we cut back to comms. They start plugging a monster truck match, as they would do, obviously, with, you know, Sabu on his way to the ring. Uh, Bish has added <laughs> the extra information that it's going to be a sumo-style match, so they've got to... Yeah, what does this mean? Pre- got to, I, I presume you've got to knock the truck out of a... Out of a circle. So we're just going to... We have two, two trucks. It's basically, like, we're going to have, like, a fucking tug-of-war in reverse, but with trucks. That's it. So but yeah, just... but, I mean, this might be really difficult. How, how are you going to work this? Like, if, yeah. if these... 
you know what I mean? It's not like an actual match between people where they're planning it all out. They're relying on the machines, aren't they? So yeah. obviously Hogan's going to have to win it. Yeah. And then well, what if by accident, like... <laughs> Something like, goes it, wrong. Yeah, how are they going to make this? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean they aren't going to make it look good. It's not going to be possible. <laughs> but <laughs> how are they going to make it be like a contest that lasts a certain yeah. amount of time? I know. And then there is still a, you know, a ebb and flow and a story told. Yeah, I, the whole... This has to be a shambles. Seems, I yeah, cannot wait flawed, to see it. it. Seems chronically <laughs> flawed from the beginning. Who would have thought that? Um, so while they're going on about all this, obviously Sabu's ring walk is well underway. He gets all the way to the ring, stretches against the far rope before he is even mentioned by the commentator. Mental. And did you hear how he how he introduced him as well? The, the actual the, the way he bigged him up, the actual line. I didn't. Making his way to the ring, the man we have seen before, and then stopped. Oh, you just what? left it at that? You didn't say Yeah, that's the money we've seen before. Well, well, we'll be here all night, Eric. The like, we've seen before. Yeah, well, you know, unless it's a debut, which it actually <laughs> is for Jerry Lynn, if it is Jerry Lynn. I've got to stop saying that. Which it actually is for Mr. JL, apparently. The man we've seen before, Sabu. Like, what What the fuck is this? Come on, Eric. You ignored him for however long. My favourite commentator, Eric, let <laughs> me down. The man we've seen before. <laughs> the man we've seen before. Oh, yeah, it's supposed to be Sabu then, he's on about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mr. JL, it just says uh, he is making his debut. Uh, Bischoff tells us he's a mysterious man. <laughs> right. Okay. But yeah, he's, he's, he looks like a bit of a. He's, he's got the luchador get up, as you said. He he's does. wearing a cape and stuff. Uh, no one want to know about Sabu. Or what we know about Sabu, of course, from his match with um, uh, Das Wunderkind a few weeks ago. Can only imagine that chaos is uh, oh. right around the corner here. Gotta be. Uh, so Sabu makes it a bit of a heel start. He's attacking uh, JL when he's not looking. He starts by doing some some kicks to the face, having jumped off the middle rope. Classic yeah. Sabu. We're going to yeah. do the complicated stuff to begin with. Uh, there's a comeback from JL after Sabu goes for an uncharacteristic sleeper hold in the middle of the ring, which yeah. led me to think. I was thinking, how is Sabu going to engineer this sleeper hold to a point where he injures himself? <laughs> it, it, it's very difficult to hurt yourself doing yeah, a sleeper hold or something. Isn't it? That's so, true. So, very out of character for Sabu. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a nice little enziguri to the to the back, kicking yeah, Sabu out of the it. ring from JL, love and he it. follows this up with a with a dive outside. Sabu hits a spin and wheel kick, knocks JL outside, yeah. and then he does a cannonball over the top rope onto him, and he takes Sabu takes a huge flat back bump on the yeah, outside. Yeah, nasty, didn't it? Oh. Slap, proper slap onto the floor. Yeah. But he's straight up though, he's straight up, he's gone and got a chair, he's gonna set it down in front of jail, and he of course uses it as one of his one of Sabu's patented uh, spots of Springboard. using the chair as a platform to launch a fly yeah. kick into jail's chest. So the point of almost breaking his neck with a flat back bump is <laughs> instantly just enough. sandbagged. Yeah. <laughs> straight away, he's back out there again. Crazy. And it, all off and nothing though is jail's up seconds later and he's fighting in the ring, getting a near fall with a German suplex. Uh, JL hits a big drop kick while Sabu's in the corner. The Irish whips him across the ring. Sabu, though, he reverses it. JL, it's the turnbuckle, takes a step back, turns 45 degrees in a way that no one ever does, <laughs> just so he can take a big clothesline from Sabu. And Bischoff shouts, Solar Plexus! Clock that. Um, not long after Sabu, after the clothesline to the solar plexus, of course. And now the solar plexus has been severely weakened, so Sabu <laughs> locks in a camel clutch. Luckily, JL gets to the ropes. Just. Um, Sabu goes up top, JL cuts him off, and then he gets, he's, again, another fucking nasty looking move on Sabu. DDT off the top rope, or I think it was the, maybe the second rope, mm. maybe. And 
Isabu drops straight onto his bonds. Yeah, vertically Big. down. Yeah, yeah like spiked, down. spiked DDT from the air. Whoa, didn't it just look? Whoa. Yeah, classic Sabu. All yeah. the big bumps. That's it. And it still kicks out at two. I thought it should have been the finish, to be honest. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I agree. It should have been the finish. He almost murdered him. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, JL goes up top now. JL's turn to get up the, uh, to the top turnbuckle. Sabu goes for, cuts him off, goes for some kind of hurricane runner, but uh, JL shakes him off by holding onto the ropes. Mm. JL then goes for a flying drop kick of some kind, which Sabu counters into a power bomb. Looked a bit rubbish. Yeah, kind of just kind of catches him, guides him to the yeah. floor. Turns JL over, locks in another camel clutch, and the bell is called for instantly. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, tap, instant tap, wasn't it, this time? Middle of the yeah, ring. Yeah, that's, that's done and dusted. It's done and dusted. Um, Sabu, he cuts his celebration short, though. He's not one for, you know, gloating this. He's not going to be doing any laps of honour because there's an opportunity to uh, to kick JL out of the ring, and he duly <laughs> takes it. He duly takes it and then does a sunset flip powerbomb right. on to the apron. This I, looked... Yeah, I was wincing watching this. Like, it just... Oh. Yeah, Lads. it could have been nasty. It didn't need could. to happen as well. Match didn't. is finished. Match is finished. Yeah. You don't need to get a hot angle between nah. Sabu and Mr. JL. Do you? And he, no, you don't. And he did the same thing uh, to uh, Das Wunderkind, lest we forget. Yeah, the crowd seemed to get a bit hot for the, for the power bomb. There's, uh, there's, there's jeering, there's booing. Mm. And at this, Bischoff leads us back into a, another another Hulk Hogan update. At approximately, <laughs> what, 20 minutes in the programme. We've now had five Hogan updates. <sighs> I, haven't, I haven't been counting, but we're in that ballpark, I'm sorry. Oh, surely. So Bischoff tells us, he tells us that Hogan is here. He's here. And I mean. When is he going to get that this is not news? No. So, so, so Hogan works for you. And this is your premier show. <laughs> he should be here, right? Yeah. He should be here. This is not a big thing to convey to the people. We were expecting to see Hulk Hogan. Yeah, exactly. The wrestler who was contracted with WCW on a WCW wrestling program. <laughs> the main one, no less. Absolutely. And from there, Bischoff pitches to the next item on the agenda, which is uh, Sting resolving the Macho Man-Lex Luger <sighs> conflict. Yeah. And Bobby Heenan does a nice job of casting doubt on Sting before pitching to Mongo, who starts talking about the Giant again. So he's Mongo, not keeping up with the program. Yeah, bloody hell. All over the place. Uh, Bischoff then tells us that we need to get to the ring because he understands, of course... <laughs> <laughs> that Mean Gene is in the ring with Sting and the two men in question. And at this point, you can actually see them both over Bischoff's shoulder. So I wonder how he came to understand that one. <laughs> He's a very understanding man. He's he Eric, is. Eric Bischoff, my favourite Very understanding indeed. So we've got this segment now where Sting's going to play the peacemaker. And Mean Gene, he calls Sting the man of the hour. <laughs> Hulk <laughs> Hogan's going to be happy with that not at all not at all yeah he's got Hogan to answer to there I think Mean Gene <laughs> Sting says he has the solution to the problem but needs to call out Macho because of course Macho Man's not in the ring he needs to call out Macho Man he's straight out music hits he's got some kind of tiger print gear on how much is he spending on these get ups each week uh, no, he must be burning through the camera he storms to the ring straight in Luger's face uh, Mean Gene at this takes the time to remind him that this is not the time <laughs> no he does it again keeps doing it stop it Gene it is it is the time it's of the both place, of those Gene. things <laughs> <laughs> Sting tells us that the giant is winning the game. What well, you two, this house being divided is allowed. It's, it's playing at the Giants' hands. The Giant is winning the game. He's yeah. choke slamming everybody in sight. And then Macho, he turns it around and he questions if he's choke slamming, if he's choke slamming me, if he's choke slammed Luger, 
Why isn't he chokeslammed you, Sting? He's absolutely <laughs> He's so paranoid, this like. Sure, isn't he? <laughs> I know. Isn't Conspiracy he? theories abound. His first his go-to every every time is that someone's out to get me here. Well, it's announced it's announced by Sting that at Halloween Havoc, so we've got more matches to add to the... So we might get a new advert next week. They won't keep playing the same one. Fantastic. But, uh, uh, Sting announces he's, he's, he's taking on the role of a... Uh, is it, is it Nick Bockwinkle? The, yeah, the, uh, that's the one. Nick Bockwinkle. The, the commissioner or whatever his role is yeah. at uh, Nitro. So he, he's taking on Bockwinkle's role, announcing matches now that <laughs> Luger is going to rematch with uh, Meng the Merciless. <laughs> yeah. While Macho Man is going to have a match with Kamala. Kamala Harris. And in which case, <laughs> if both win, they are going to then face each other. On the Halloween have a card, right? So they're going to potentially wrestle twice. Well, that's it, potentially. They, they, they're going to wrestle twice on the, on the Halloween have a card. <laughs> Correct, yeah. No point right. in making the Merciless nor Kamala bothering to turn up at Halloween Havoc. They are definitely losing. So was that Sting's solution to the problem then? You two have a match? Because they just had one last week. This is it. it have it, another match. Bonkers, bonkers, bonkers. Luger in his... In his oversized blazer, he continues his, his slight heel turn, doesn't he? Because Macho, he's mad keen for this match. Yeah, I'll have a match. Cost you how much he lost last week. Uh, Luger's not really, yeah. he's not. He's a bit, nah, I'm not yeah. bothered. I'm not bothered. Correct. And Sting, he goes straight on the offensive. He rebukes him instantly for dismissing what Sting's crap idea. He calls him <laughs> disgusting. He does, disgusting. I know, I know, yeah. Disgusting for him, he? And he says, are you not the total package? You, I was under the impression you were the total package. Yeah, I feel like Sting's taking this personally, yeah. So do I, yeah. Is it's it? one of the his pitch has been shot down and he's uh, <laughs> um so yeah, Sting and Mean Gene, they they, they peer pressure Lex, the thing <laughs> peer pressure Lex Luger. They do. They start there, yeah, go on. Go on, go on, have a match with him, Luger, <laughs> go on. And um, yeah, finally he agrees. It, that works. That no, does the job. It. Yeah, alright, then I'll do it. So if they both win at Halloween Havoc, it's gonna be it's going to culminate in another match between Macho Man and Lex Luger. Luger gets angry and leaves. I have to recall the uh, Razor kid spot and have 15. Just keep keep pinning until someone finally gives up. <laughs> until they agree to be friends. Unlimited, unlimited pinfalls until friendship. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and we move on. And we cut outside where we've got a limo pulling up. And straight away, I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure it's all those Hulk Hogan was already in the building. <laughs> So how are they going to spin this one here? Has he been, has he been, down, has he been down the shops? Has he picked someone up? I don't know, but wait a second. It's not Hulk Hogan. It isn't. As Bischoff is listing all the countries in which this man has wrestled to great acclaim and is now coming to where the competition is, no, not where the big boys play. This is none other than... It's Chris Benoit. Um, I'm back in the arena. I'm getting ready for Big Bubba Rogers versus Road Warrior Hawk. Yeah, Hawk. Legion of Doom. The sound system is hijacked. Oh, fuck, I forgot about this. Oh. By none other than Disco Inferno's music. Yes, Disco Fever is blasting around the arena, and it can only mean one thing. <laughs> disco Inferno hasn't got a wrestling match. <laughs> so exactly the same scenario as last week. Inferno yeah. is out. He's out in the... Um, well, it's not a ramp again, is it? The, the, the entrance way, yeah. and he's... He's doing his shit disco dancing. Is this another piss take? Is this another, here is someone who cannot dance, let's make their gimmick that he dances? Is this... Is, is this maybe. Is this maybe it? someone's a bit of a genius in the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he loves a bit of irony in the, uh, the WCW booking team. So yeah, we've got uh, Inferno. He's doing exactly the same shtick as last time, doing terrible disco dancing. Awful. Despite knowing full well he shouldn't be there. 
He's got a pretty sweet deal with the sound guy, hasn't he? He's, he's orchestrated something there. How's the sound guy agreeing to this and not being reprimanded? And it goes on way too long again, nah. just like last week. And then he does exactly the same thing where he acts surprised that his music has been cut off. Big Bubba's coming out. Again, there's no argument. There's no altercation. I'm questioning why on earth this is happening. Don't understand. Out comes uh, Road Warrior Hawk. Disco Inferno still dancing. This time he's uh, he's pulled out a portable uh, radio. He's, he's got uh, a ghetto blaster. <laughs> yeah, he's got his ghetto blaster and he's he's uh, he's getting on down there. Yeah, Hawk's coming out. He's walking to the ring because Hawk did that kind of stare. Yeah, he, he glared at him. Stare, yeah. Intimidate him a little bit, and then he's walked to the ring. Yeah, uh, Disco Inferno steals a kid's hat from the crowd. Runs after, runs after Hawk. Creeps up behind him. Does he attack him like a, you know a competitor might do? But no, no, he doesn't do that. He just he just hangs the hat on one of her. Uh, Hawks spikes on his getup. His American football shoulder pad spikes. Yeah, looks yeah, class, Hawk. Yeah. I mean, mental, stupid, but like like a Mad Max extra with these you know pads and spikes on and this or the anti mohawk and stuff. But just makes Disco Inferno in his white thing look all the more naff and shit and. He's just pants in it. Yeah, Hawk's in there. He's taking his kit off in the ring. He's taking the football pads. Don't you start taking his full kit off? He's not doing Shawn Michaels. He's taking the. Uh, <laughs> He's taking the American football gear off. Yeah. At this point, he notices the hat, and he's like, huh? At which point, um, yeah, Bob Rogers, the big boss man, yeah. he jumps in from behind, and the camera zooms right in. He's in the corner. Big Bubba Rogers is uh, giving him some kicks. The camera zooms right in, as said kicks to the midsection, uh, very clearly missing by, yeah. a, by a long way. Yeah. What a strange time to fucking get tight in like that. Uh, matches going back and forth. Again, it's another quick one. Not as quick as the United States title defence. Hawk gets a big power slam, which, which looked really good, given that, obviously, big Bubba Rogers is not especially small. Bubba is down. The match is there to be won where none other than. Here comes Disco, fucking Inferno. He's on the apron this time, and he's not here to win it for the match. No. He's just going to start dancing again. Like he's doing his shit. On, the, on the apron, facing away from the action, just dancing. Like. Yeah, as you would do. <laughs> Right, I've got to get on that apron. There's two There's two people fighting there. One of them I've had a little bit of a back and forth with earlier. I better get on there. Turn me back to him and do some fucking bad dancing. Terrible. Hawk comes up behind him, rips his crap shirt off, and then chases him, beats him up a bit on the ramp. I mean, he batters him. He yeah, just looks stiff. Him, he? he was battering him. Yeah, yeah. rightly so. He fucking deserves <laughs> yeah, true. it. He fucking deserves it. Um, yeah, Disco does some absolutely ludicrous selling oh. when uh, Hawk's bouncing his head off the ramp. Fish out of water stuff, yeah. Way too dramatic. I mean, yeah. contrast it to Shawn Michaels' sell of making stuff look good. Hawk's beating up Inferno. Mm-hmm. He forgets. He's distracted in his glee, in his joy. He's living everybody's dream at home. He's beating the <laughs> shit out of Disco Inferno. And in that sheer revelry, he is, he is forgotten at the ref's counting. And counts up. The ref calls for the bell. Big Bubba's your winner. But then from that, strap yourself in because Bischoff tells us don't go anywhere because as if he hasn't already dominated the program enough, Hulk Hogan is up next. But we've got the best friends. We've got the best friends, Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart. They're making their way to the ring, but this time they're dressed in, as you alluded to in your in your intro, they're dressed in all black. And Hogan Ooh, has black. even gone so far. He's gone so far as to get an all black. Neck brace. Right, where's he got this from? Has he been colouring his normal morning with a sharpie at home? Or has Jimmy <laughs> Art for him? Like, what's this? And he looked better without a tash. He looked loads of course, better. Of course you would, wouldn't you? Of course you would look better. It's like saying, oh yeah, you look better now. You've uh, 
took that pile of dog shit off the top of your head you were walking around with you, you look miles better do you know what I mean it's like the same thing oh, you look better now you've stopped wearing that piece of road killer as a scarf yeah. <laughs> massive improvement yeah, agreed yeah yeah me and Gene comments on the attire as, 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 as you just have and Hogan straight away you, know, you were lucky Hogan wasn't there when you came in on the attire because Hogan told me and Gene straight away shut your mouth me and Gene I know <laughs> shut no. your mouth uh, very rude. Very, uh, this isn't, yeah, this isn't very hulky at all, is it? Very rude for the top baby face. And then he turns to it to the best friend, Jimmy Hart, <laughs> and <laughs> again refers to him, got another laugh, not as big a laugh this time because I was prepared for it, obviously, yeah. but he is a, uh, for whom he refers to as this time his best friend and confidant. He's <laughs> added confidant to the list of actors. They're getting closer by the week, these two. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah, got oh, another laugh. Phenomenal. Yeah, not as good as last week, but still. <laughs> Best friend and confidant, Jimmy Hart. Uh, Hogan says it's time to take care of all the family business, brother. <laughs> and that's why he's dressed in all black, dude. Uh, Hogan says he's going to rip his neck brace off and beat the giant right here, right now. <laughs> Just like he did with his dad, Andre the Giant. Not, yeah. not Hogan's dad. He didn't. He, 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 <laughs> Hogan beat his own dad Mark with the neck Harris. brace. <laughs> He wasn't doing a bad Mark Harris sketch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going kicking my dad's ass all day today. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> oh, terrible. Uh, mean that. Gene, this is where the restraining order comes back into play because uh, Mean Gene, H- Hogan clearly hasn't got the memo about the restraining order. No, in there. No, mean yeah. Gene tells us, it's not possible, Hogan, you can't beat up the giant because there's a restraining order out against him. So again, I'm asking the questions. Who's put the restraining order out? Yeah. What's going on? You've already told us the giant's in the building. So what's 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 playing out? What's happening here? Yeah, crazy. Where's he restrained from going? Uh, Hogan says, if the giant's as bad as he says he is, he'll ignore the order. And then I'm, I think so too, because the giant has twice attempted murder on live TV. Yeah. So I think a restraining order is very much small. Death sentence didn't put him off. Doubt a restraining order will. Death sentence, attempted murder with you know thousands upon thousands of eyewitnesses, and uh, <laughs> he's, he still took it on. So yeah, for a straining order keeps him at bay. I'll be very surprised. Oh, and then oh go and he cuts a promo on Vince. Yeah, I know. He swerved, he swerved to cut a promo on Vince. He's talking about Hulkamania and how it allowed the ego of an of an unnamed promoter in the New York area to grow so big that now his company is dying and Vince yeah. is choking on his own ego. Yeah, crazy this. Is that, does, that, does this make sense? I don't know. This is what he was saying. Uh, he, he then starts ranting about why he came to WCW, Hulkamania, this and that. Uh, says, says Kevin Sullivan, the giant, defaced Hulkamania. And they may as well have graffitied the Washington Monument or, t- or I mean, the American flag. How's that for a fucking narcissist? Like, Whoa, what a crane. You I saying just a fucking babyface promo. Exactly. And, you, and, and exactly, comparing Hulkamania, that having a go at it, is the same as desecrating a national monument. Shut up, Hulk. That's what a, what a what a dick move this is. But yeah, uh, yeah, he comes out with that ludicrousness, and he he's still he's ranting and raving, and then there's a siren starting in the in the uh, the sound, and, and the camera cuts away. A monster truck, a monster truck is in the car park. Oh state. my god! And there's police chasing it. So where's it come from? Where's it where's it come from? <laughs> yeah. How long has this police chase been going for? They, they go down the ramp as if they're coming into the garage, the parking garage, and. The entrance is closed. The entrance has been barred as though they knew, as though they knew the I giant know. was coming in his monster truck. But he's outside. He's outside revving the engine nonetheless. 
but there's some security guards and, and the bacon are there, the oinks are there and they're, they're, they're waving him away. No entry, no entry, Giants. Uh, there's a Brodiac on the fucking back of the flatbed in the back waving it's his the, fucking tassels. So Brodiac's doing the Mad Max guitarist uh, <laughs> equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a no-go for you, Giant. The, the, the police have turned you away. Not letting you in. And then Hogan, Hogan has a big, uh, he, he, I'm going outside, I'm going to fight the Giants. And then, yeah, I've just, I've just noted down to finish off this segment. I hate everything about this. <laughs> Start to finish, yeah. everything is garbage. Especially because they just stopped, were stopped by a garage door. Like, did you, you know what I mean? Like That was it, did, we'll give up. Yeah, did you, did you not think through this? You just, we'll, we'll go there and we'll drive straight into the arena. What if the garage door's closed? It won't be closed. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that as far as the planning went? You know? <laughs> and how did they pick up the, what did they do? Because presumably they've committed a crime. Some kind of, <laughs> some kind of uh, they've got two stars they've got two stars on GTA and they've been followed all the way here to the arena now we've got the <laughs> some kind of highway code violation has clearly been made <laughs> hasn't it for the police to chase them because the police wouldn't chase them otherwise no absolutely none of it makes any fucking no, sense ludicrous it's rubbish and we're on to the main events here we go we're, we're, we're rid of it it's all behind us now forget about thank God Hogan for that. in his in his in his all black attire all black neck brace and no tash it's all behind us all in the past because here comes Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and they are going to get inside the smallest of steel cages. <laughs> it's tiny, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's barely tiny. above the top. You could eye jump me, I reckon, from the rink <laughs> to the outside. The Fosby flop guy who ever made that he up, he'd have cleared that no he bother. He could have done it, honestly. He could have done it, no bother. I know. I've got a little bit of pyro when I juice it. This is a bit different. I know. A bit of difference as, as a bit of a... As the cage is descending. Know. The world's smallest cage yeah, is descending. Yeah, the, bit of pyro, I know. the world's smallest cage comes down. Um, yep, yeah, and then between that, we've already had the Halloween Havoc plug. We get the pyro. Then we've got the advert again. Fucking honestly. Get a new fucking advert. We get it. You've got the pay-per-view coming up. I know. Fuck. Back to comms. And who's here? Oh, it's... It's geez. Chris Jericho's favourite dog, Pepe. <laughs> He's out. I didn't notice he wasn't there earlier. I did spot him. No, I and, didn't clock uh, it either. Oh, I didn't I'd... spot him. But yeah, obviously... And then obviously I haven't noticed him when they've gone back to come since then. And now here he is. He's back out. He's decked out this time. He's got his own miniature Chicago Bears get-up on, including helmet, obviously, in case someone comes and, you know, hits him with a big tackle or something. <laughs> Takes a big hit. Wouldn't want, wouldn't want Pepe getting hurt. <laughs> Pepe would not survive a big hit. No, he wouldn't. He certainly wouldn't. When Pepe was here in his, you know, he had the helmet on and the, and the Chicago Bears gear and it's the big unveiling of Pepe. Yeah. At this point, I did wonder. Yeah, go on. How many, you know, wrestlers, how many wrestlers, either up and coming or wrestlers who would have got contracted, who were sat around in the back and were just livid. <laughs> With the amount of weekly fucking national TV time, TV time this canine is getting, just purely because Mongo's got loads of different outfits for him. Because <laughs> exactly. he's, he's, he's little and Mongo's big. We haven't seen Eddie Guerrero this week. No, we haven't. We've We're, seen I have Pepe. no idea. We haven't seen the tag champs in weeks. I haven't seen no. those belts. No. I haven't seen the TV title at all, which no. we know exists because it was yeah. one on the pay-per-view that wasn't on TV. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it at all. No. Yet I've seen this fucking dog. Every time. In some way or other. And a different garment every week. Uh, staggering, I know. It is. Good point. Very, very, very well made. Exactly it, right. It Lead really is staggering. We cut away from the close-up of uh, of Pepe, thankfully. Thank God. And who's here? 
It's the police. The police are <laughs> here. They've rocked up to the comms booth. They've come straight to the comms booth. Two of them. Like two of them have come to the comms booth. They haven't said, you know, the comms haven't said he'd have a mic or something. They've, they've, they've made Bischoff take his headphones off. They've interrupted Bish and they've whispered something in his ear. <laughs> Bischoff then relays the message to us. Guess who the message concerns? Well, Jim, if I had to hazard a guess, it'd be Hulk Hogan. You'd be right. It certainly wasn't Mr. Wonderful and Das Wunderkind. No way. <laughs> it is It is Hulk Hogan and the Giants. So, yeah, the, the police, they've whispered to Bischoff on live TV to tell him that they've got a ton of police officers in the back keeping the pair apart. So it made me wonder why you've said two to deliver this strange message. Surely this could have waited. And, and um, also, right, what is this message, right? I'm sorry, right? The police have gone. We need to tell who's in charge here, right? And they go, well, well it'll be like, oh, the producer, go and tell him. No, you've got to go, and, that guy who's live on telly right now, you must tell him. Can I give him a note? No, no, you must go and tell him to his face right now. While he's talking. While well. he's while talking. While he's talking. You stop him while he's talking. <laughs> yeah, you interrupt him because this cannot wait. And Okay, what's the information? They're keeping these two people apart. Why is a police officer going and telling... Two police officers going and telling someone, we're keeping two people apart here, mate. He's, <laughs> Bischoff ain't in the chain of command. They're, they're like, I'm going to arrest these two. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Does Bischoff understand this yet? <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, he, fa- he understands all these things normally. Without <laughs> no, but... <laughs> two fucking officers of the usually law telepathic. telling him. This is, I think, the third time, and there's another one coming, isn't there? Yeah. So we had we had Sting at the start, we had yeah. we had the police, yeah. Sting and the police, and, and, and <laughs> <laughs> there's the episode title. <laughs> but yeah, forget about all that because here comes Ric Flair, everybody. Here comes Ric Flair, Woo! ladies and gentlemen. We're about to have a cage match. Half a cage match. Oh, and I just have a really small, <laughs> some kind of playpen match. <laughs> Arn Anderson, he's already in the ring. Didn't get an entrance for the main event. Why, no, would, you bother? No, Why no, would you bother when no. we could rehearse that fucking scene from a, from a school play involving Bischoff and some policemen? We're inside the cage. The match has started. Both men, they're exchanging blows early doors. Flair, it's a few lefts, right? It's a bit of a combo in the corner. He drops Arn with a body shot. Flair clearly in control at this point. Arn mm. is selling it real good. Yeah. And then Arn reverses an Irish whip. Flair bounces off the opposite turnbuckle, walks straight into a big back body drop. And the tables have turned quite quickly, folks. Yeah. Arn's bouncing Flair's head off head, not his head, not, not, not even focused on the head. He's going to go straight for the head. He's bouncing the head off the sides of the cage. He's been very healy early on. He's choking yeah. him with the ropes. He's using all the apparatus to his to his advantages. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Flair tries to come back. There's a few chops. Straight away, we've got to go to a break. We couldn't have had one in the, the umpteen. I know. We had, we had to have the full recap of, of Hogan getting his tash shaved, but we've got to have a break in the middle of this main event. And we're back from the break. Flair's in the driver's seat. There's a couple mm. of strikes for him. He goes for another Irish whip, reversed by Arn. And Arn hits a spine buster this oh, time. Oh, one, it's stunning. And he's so good with the spine buster. It's... But Combs don't even mention it. No, no one mentions it. Nah. And it's, um, and it's fucking gorgeous. It's so good. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a prime exponent of the, uh, of the spine buster as Arn Anderson. <laughs> and then... Uh, yeah, Arn can't cover him because he, he's been he's been beaten down throughout the break. An important bit that we missed because of the break, but uh, yeah. he's been beaten down throughout the break and the the attacks that Flair sustained since. Arn can't quite get the cover, so the spine buster was a bit of a desperation move. He finally does get it. Flair kicks out pretty quickly. All the while, Bobby Heenan he's selling the story that Flair is a bit of a is a bit of a loner, a bit of a, a bit of an isolated character. Mm-hmm. Got no mm-hmm. friends. Doesn't want any friends. But yeah, he's a <laughs> 
he's he, he doesn't uh, he's not a popular guy backstage, which obviously bears relevance for where this is going. Yeah. Uh, we cut to a smaller screen to tell us what happened in the break. I mean, we've been back for quite a while, so I feel like I could, this update might have been useful earlier. Um, Flair's foiling Arn's attempt to escape the cage. I mean, there must have been pretty poor attempts because I'm sure Arn could have, <laughs> with a you know, you know, quick boost off the, off yeah. the top of the cage, he'd have been over it quite easy. As Flair interrupts Arn's escaping attempts, mm. Arn falls off, slips off the rope, Nutshot on the top rope, and that is what has allowed Flair to to get the upper hand. Would have been nice to have seen this. Um, yeah, Flair he's got a, he's had ample time for recovery, as we've said. So the spinebuster ends up having limited effect, and now Flair getting straight back on top after kicking out with a pin. He's thrown on into the sides of the cage. He's grating his head off the metal. Yeah, We've got the old amazing, uh, didn't it? heel Flair kind yeah. of throwbacks to that. You hear the crowd Flair's, as well at this point, showing we want blood as they did it as well. Chicago, oh, yeah, Chicago crowd, fucking hell, they were, they were on it tonight. Rabid, they were absolutely rabid. rabid. They were flair. He's staying, he's staying dominant throughout. He has a nice, nice vertical suplex. Oh yeah, oh, over three minutes at the match. I noted. Shh. I clocked this as the third move. That was it, the third <laughs> really? wrestling move. So we had wow. the back body drop, we had yeah. the spine buster, wow, and we had now the suplex. So that is the third move that we've seen throughout. And Blimey. It never was that. Despite that, I thought it's not to the to the detriment. Not no, not no, no. Any slight on the quality. Just grudge at all. match stuff. It's great. Yep, superb. Really well done. Uh, yeah, and, and when the moves happen, of course, don't they, they mean, more, don't they? They mean a lot. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah after the suplex has landed, Arn's obviously on the deck, laid out, and who's this? Who's this? It's flying Brian. <laughs> it's flying Brian. <laughs> He's climbing up the small cage. Didn't take him long. Arn's laid out, middle of the ring, after the suplex. And then, hang on a second, what's the reason? What's the reason why why, we, why we're having this cage match? To uh, to stop outside interference, specifically from uh, Flying Brian. Specifically from Flying Brian. But you'd be thinking at this point, Ric Flair, I assume, has wanted this, this cage match for those reasons. He may have wished at this stage he had commissioned, or at least implored the... The powers that be to commission a bigger cage because here comes none other than Brian Brian. I've climbed a couple of garden fences in my time. He's probably thought I could easily get over that. And this is and this is a man who is by his very name, Jim, is aerial in nature. <laughs> <laughs> surely not a bother for him. No, surely not bothered by a yeah, six foot chicken wire fence. But he, um, here he comes. He's out and he's scaling said chicken wire fence in, you know. In rapid oh, seconds. He's from bottom to top in no time at all. He's almost in the cage itself when Flair quickly, quick as a flash, oh, he's, yeah. he's up on the ropes and he's laced Brian right in the face with a big right hand. Mm-hmm. Pillman takes a bump all the way to the floor. I know it is a pretty big bump. I guess the, the I mean, I mean the the fence, the cage fence wasn't that high, but no, it, but it, still to the to the to the outside. The as well, yeah. it's a lot bigger than it is from. Just outside the, to in, it, yeah. inside to out is a, is a lot. You know, it's quite a big. Yeah, it is. You're right. A big old bump. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. taking it exactly. Yeah, Flay turns. He jumps off the ropes. Hits arm with an axe handle. He's giving it big portions now and dropping all the woos. He then hits some kind of knee buster type move. Mm. Um, the one where you, you know you grab the the ankle and lift the knee up and then throw him and stomp down on it like that. That's a good description, wasn't it? Um, perfect. Directly before. <laughs> Everyone, everyone at home is doing that move as we speak. They know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, 
directly before he said it was, that that was the build up to the figure four so it was imperative that he, he, he weakened the knee somewhat before moving into the figure four from there love that from Flair loved it and mm, Arn is beautiful. Uh, he's staring down certain defeat at this point but he uh he, he, he what looks like goes for a thump to the eye and, and, and Flair has is, is, is fallen off him. Mm. And hang on, Arn's a bit confused. So Flair's on the floor. For a thump of the eye, I'm thinking. This yeah. is a bit odd. Um, Arn goes straight for the cover. Like, Surely now, something, something's amiss. Something's amiss. I've missed something here. And Arn's going for the cover. One, two, three. Wins it. Flair sparked out. He sparked out. Bischoff, he's straight away. Bischoff, on <sighs> top of it, straight away. Instantly calling shenanigans. He's instantly calling shenanigans. Here. He's claiming Arn's... Arn's used some kind of foreign object. Which he definitely didn't see because he didn't call it at the time, right? There was there was the punch, pause, 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 Arn pins, one, two, three. He used a foreign object. Like, it ruined it terribly. Well, I had no show. idea. I, I thought, nah. again, I, I genuinely am watching this, like, thinking thumb yeah. to the eye. D- ditto. And, and then uh, you can see it from the replay. When you see the replay, but Bischoff should have reacted to that and gone, oh, look, he's got it. You can see it using slow-mo on this different camera angle, but he doesn't. He just instantly... Uh, Ruined yeah, it. Terrible, that, that terrible time, from wasn't it. it? Correct. Anderson did. He used some kind of some kind of knuckle duster, mm. power right in the kisser, and that's uh, <laughs> that's one two three. That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Arns won the won the grudge cage match. He has. But it's not the end of it. No. It's not the end. It's not the last. It's not the last of this. Flair is livid. <laughs> he is boiling. He races up the car. He jumps and he snatches the headphones. Bishop's Lego air can take the hit now. I guess we're going off air in a couple yeah. of seconds. <laughs> Uh, he snatches the headphones off Bischoff. That was Bischoff's headphones. It's never anyone else's. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, uh, very true. Yeah, he snatches the headphones. He's got this maniacal look, frothing at the mouth for yeah. Flair. He's livid. He is boiling. And Bischoff sounded genuinely scared, I thought, <laughs> he of this, did. Uh, this angry Flair. And Flair screams, I don't care about the bears to Mongo. <laughs> which, which, you <laughs> totally know, unprovoked, but exactly. 100% warranted. <laughs> Incredible. He pitches a match for, for next week. I mean, surely now, can we, can we all swim back for this pay-per-view? What are you going to do with the pay-per-view? He's still I know. a couple of weeks away. He pitches a match for next week where in which he will take on both Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman. And if Flair can't get a tag team partner, it's going to be a handicap match. It's not a good time for Flair to lose all his friends, as Bobby Heenan exactly. told us earlier. Well done, Bob. As we close up, it's the three of them again. They start discussing straight away. Flair's gone, right? Flair's out of the way. Who are we talk about now? Of course. Yeah, it's Hulk back. Hogan. Oh. <laughs> only been three minutes since the last mention of him. We'll get back on to it's, another chat honestly, about a Hulkster. Crazy. Heenan, though. Heenan, this was this was splendid. He cuts yeah. a superb promo on Hulk Hogan. He's claiming everyone, he's, everyone's sick of having him shoved down their throats and he, he doesn't blame the Taskmaster and the Zabrodiak and the Giant for, for trying to get rid of him. Here, fucking here, Bobby Brilliant. Heenan is absolutely... On the money, I think you you could not have, have, have put that better. No. He, he has captured the sentiment of every every everybody there. I think. So that was Nitro. Now onto the ratings builders and killers. I'll start first, and my builder number one is Arlen Flair. Shock horror, eh? Everything you'd want to see, told the story well, should have had another few minutes, thought the match was a bit short, um, but they still got everything across perfectly in the time they had and continued to build the few great stuff. Builder number two, 
Sabu and Mr. JL was a cracking match. Some really nice and really innovative stuff there that was going on, which I thought was just a joy to watch at times. Had me gripped. Brilliant. And build number three. Something new from Hulk. I'm not saying it was a good promo by any stretch. It wasn't. But because we get all Hulk all the time on Nitro, I'm just over the moon. He's mixing something up. This was at least something different. All right, it was black clothes, right? I know, but... If we have to see him 15 segments a night, every night, at least this was something different and he was sort of teasing a heel turn or something. Like, I hate the guy. Let me let me do that and let me hate him. Jim, what were your builders for Nitro? You know what? Very, very similar to your own. I, I presume that's because there wasn't a lot to pick from here. But yeah, very similar <laughs> to yourself. Um, building number one, Ric Flair behind Anderson. Just yeah. Sublime, absolutely sublime. What more can you say? Uh, building number two, uh, not so much Sabu versus Mr. JL, but just Sabu grafting like mad is, is my mm. is my second builder. Just the amount of um, you mentioned the innovation, which is which is one thing, but I was focusing specifically on just the huge bombs that DDT, oh, like yeah. ouch, yeah. right on top of his head, yeah. and then that flat back bump off a cannonball going outside, and just things like that, which which are on a you know just a TV show, just a TV match. Yeah. Against you know, that counts for nothing on a, on a show where only the only thing anyone cares about is Hogan, seemingly. <laughs> so for what is ultimately not a lot to be gained for Sabu, he's still doing these outrageous things yeah. just to entertain everyone. And I thought that is definitely worthy of a mention. And building number three is Bobby Heenan for me this week. Ah, nice, lovely, absolutely superb yeah. promo, heel promo on Hogan, but it was so you know got the biggest pop of the night for me. Uh, undoubtedly the thoughts of every wrestling fan who wasn't eight years old at the time conveyed expertly well by Bobby Heenan in that particular promo and on top of that whatever they're paying him they need double it because he works so hard to ensure that there's a modicum of professionalism just a little crumb of professionalism about the commentating team with Mongo on the opposite flank perfect my killer number one. It comes missing or not properly calling the finish of the Arn and Flair match. So just say, what the hell happened? Flair doesn't usually go down that easily, you know, and then react to the replay. Not half react and then blur out. He hit him with something after he got the pin. Just as I said earlier, didn't work. Killer number two, the opposite of Raw. Too much crammed in with lots of short, daft matches. Can we not have a balance, like... <laughs> The count out for Hawk, the quick win for Sting, even the shortened finish for the cage match. Like, a segment or two fewer, and then the others having a little bit more room to breathe would have just made all the world a difference, I think, for this. And killer number three, the world's smallest cage. Like, a, a couple of feet would have made it all the difference here. Like, <laughs> this is this is not really <laughs> stopping anyone. Jim, what were your three killers? First killer for me is uh, Hulk Hogan. The Hogan show, as you as you dubbed it a few weeks back, yeah, um, yeah I'm I'm so bored of it. I'm so every, every time we're going back through these shows and we're watching these shows, every time you get that Hogan promo that that happens now every week, it's the same promo yeah. every week. I have to turn it off. I have to have a minute. I can't. I, I'm drained. I'm done. I have to have a pause. I have to go. I have to go away from the TV for a bit. Um, yeah, I'm just so bored of it. So finished with it, and he dominates the show from start to finish. He gets. He gets about a five minute promo segment every mm. week and he's fucking shit <laughs> promos. Not, not he shit at them. He shit on the mic <laughs> and he gets a five minute segment every week. How? Yeah. Why? I mean, 
you made the point about he's, he's changing up a bit this week in terms of his clothes. And like, fair, he has. But I just, again, that was just lost on me because I was just like, oh, they're talking about Hogan again. Oh, they're talking about yeah. the Tash thing again. Oh, man. <laughs> Fucking get over it. Uh, <laughs> killer number two, Disco Inferno. Oh, yeah, fair. Good How point. am I supposed to find this guy funny because he, he, he isn't. He isn't funny. And killer number three is the lack of respect for anything that isn't uh, in Hulk Hogan. Uh, so aside from the main event, maybe, which 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 got a decent billing, but uh, the two additional matches shoehorned in there, the Sting match lasting for, you know, 35 seconds or whatever, and uh, yeah. which was a, a title defence, I might add. And <laughs> yeah. Sting talking about the Luger-Savage feud in his promo as if he doesn't give a shit about the title and yeah. the, the Hawk count out and all these, you know, just gen- like rubbish things shoehorned in there. It's that time again, it's time for the Golden Envelope. But first, let's have a reminder of what the current scores are. So after last week's shocking draw, the scores remain 2-1 to Raw. So WCW really need to pull one back this week to bring the scores level. Jim, what's your prediction this week? For me, this was really very, very difficult because both programmes were garbage. (laughs) (laughs) The lesser of two... Two evils for me. It was Nitro I was settled for in the end, purely for the the cage match. Fair enough. Yeah, another tough one this week. Two very different shows here. I thought one, as I said, are my killers for Nitro. One was a bit too slow and ponderous with not enough going on. The other one was too OTT and stuff being crammed in all over the place far too much. Um, but on balance, I think I um, I probably enjoyed Raw a bit more. The six-man tag scene, Owen and HBK and Bulldog I thought was great. Plus Taker, plus then getting a big dose of Jim Cornette. I'll go for Raw. Let's see. Who All right, so without any further ado, here it is, Jim. Here it is. I'm blinded by the sheen of that golden envelope across from me. Raw, 2.6. Nitro... 2.6. It's another tie. Two in two weeks. Another draw. Fuck hell. This is unbelievable. Neck and neck. Well, I mean, given this, they were both fluer. And we've both said for the last two weeks that we've struggled to pick a winner. So I guess in that sense, that's, uh, you know, showing that we're, uh, we're at least on the money in our uh, quarter decade later assessment of the yeah, matches. But... True, true. Thank you all very much for listening and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TMNScores and please do like, share and subscribe or even leave us a review. Until next time, this has been the Monday Night Scores.